What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you, uh, especially the people who are watching me on an Instagram live right now. Uh, and when I say all of you, I mean people who are very, very far outside of the box, or maybe you don't believe in the status quo, or maybe you haven't bought into the matrix, and maybe you just want to do things a lot differently than the way you normally do them. And maybe along the way, you're made fun of, you're thought of differently. Uh, and you get asked all the time, why would you do that? Why would you think that way? And a million other things. Uh, and I always say to our audience, I get you, we get you, my guests get you. We do anything but uh, the normal, quote unquote, the normal route. And, um, you know, and I appreciate everybody that's watching on my Instagram live, by the way. This is a solo episode that I said I would do because uh, it's been long overdue to do more of these solo episodes. I want to thank everybody that's been on, uh, especially a lot of our listeners. Uh, we have a lot of new listeners that have joined the show over the last so many months in this year, uh, especially with current times and everybody podcast listening to podcasts more. So to all my newer listeners, I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. Uh, I just hit 4.6 million downloads, and it means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a journey and um, for any of the newer people, I'm Matt Gottesman. So thank you for being here. I really, truly appreciate it. And I appreciate having you uh, be a part of this. And for all of my day ones, the people who've been around for a long time, I also appreciate you guys more than anything, because that's how we got this big in the first place. And this is a community. And uh, anybody that's new, if you want to follow along at Matt Gottesman on Instagram, at uh, HDF Magazine on Instagram, and at Hustle Sold Separately on Instagram, uh, HDF Magazine, if you want to jump into the conversation of creativity and culture and entrepreneurship. And uh, today there will be no guest, as everybody that's watching on uh, on Instagram just heard me say. I am doing a, a solo episode. I want to start doing more solo episodes. And um, there was a topic that I really wanted to talk to you guys more about uh, around this idea of ownership. Um, and it's funny when we say ownership, obviously you get a lot of different people going a lot of different routes from, oh, owning your, you know, your, your emotions more and, you know, your decisions and all this stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a big part of it, but it's also in this day and age that we're living in. And there's a, there's a book that I want you guys to go check out. I, um, I just ordered it and, uh, it's the almanac of Naval Ravikant. Okay. Like, uh, the, the almanac of Naval Ravikant and, there's some very interesting things in there. This is a very, very um, highly influential human being in, um, and his approach is so noteworthy to being balanced internally and how we build externally, right? And so I thought that um, that would be very helpful because there's a few chapters in his book. I just ordered it. I'm hoping to get it soon. But the chapters created topics in my mind that I thought would be very helpful. And so when I talk about building like ownership, I'm talking about kind of owning in your path a little bit more and being more creative um, and tapping into that creative and having less people abuse you, use you, um, or devalue you. Now, I'm not saying you have to have your own company 
or your own brand per se. I'm not necessarily saying that, but you should be either doing it for yourself or aligned with people who will grow you. That's it. And I think you need to be very ruthless in that behavior um, because if you are in environments, work environments, nine to five, I don't care if you're in survival mode, you need to get out of there if it is not serving you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in any other, in, in a group of ways, not just like, oh, I make good money, I hate my job, I hate this, and I hate the people I'm around, I'll just stay. No, because sooner or later, you're going to run into what is happening to the people around the world right now, which is mass job loss, mass issues, mass um, uh, fear, mass depression, mass transformation, which is a good thing, uh, but in general, a lot of people feeling lost without their identity and not exactly sure what they want to do or where they want to go. And by the way, that's also normal at any stage, not just this year. There are many times that I have questioned my identity along the way. I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I'm also still becoming. I'm always becoming who I'm supposed to be becoming, right? So I want to just throw that out there that like nobody has a perfect, and you guys hear me say that all the time. So when I talk about ownership, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in this digital age, platform building. I've taken some notes here. Uh, I want to bring up several of the chapters that are in that book that I mentioned to you guys. Um, and I also want to use some examples and also talk about why people need to take back their ownership. And I want to talk about uh, leverage, playing the long game and not your normal playing the long game, um, finding and building on specific knowledge finding a position of leverage, which I just mentioned leverage, find work that feels like play, and then showing you examples of like what's happening and why are we seeing people like Kanye West do these tweet storms where it's like, you know, I'm not putting out another album until I own this and until the, the industry lets me go and all this other stuff. It's because a lot of times people are controlled for their art and for their value and for their work and they don't have ownership rights to it. And, um, you know, uh, a, a, a good friend of mine, Letty, had recently reached out and she was saying that she was watching uh, one of my guests um, or listening to one of my guests recently talk about this in the music industry and, uh, you know, talking about how, um, you know, that there's a lot more uh, movement towards people being more independent and owning what they do. Because if you don't, somebody else will and you'll get abused in the process, right? So, um, the and in 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 one of the in that email that that Letty sent me, what was very interesting is, um, she said that um, I'm trying to remember offhand, so I don't have to actually look it up, but that um, the topic was um, the long game, and that if you can hang on, you will get 10, 20, 30, 40, in my opinion, a hundred x in the long game, but most people sell out in the short game because money and survival are top of mind. Now, I'm not saying don't take any money in the short term at all because I, I do believe you need to get some money for whatever it is you're doing. Like you have, to, you have to strategize, you have to make moves. A job could be your financier or like some, some consulting gigs or whatever. They can, they can, you know what I'm saying? But the, the idea is that you're doing it intentionally with an idea of where you would like to go. And you don't have to know how to get there. You just have to know where you would like to go. Now, why the long game over the short game? And, and some, some specific examples are, you'll see this with music artists in uh, the music industry who they take advances, right? Music uh, Money advances. And they say, okay, here's a million dollars. Here's a million dollars for you. 
Um, congratulations, you're signed, and here's the contract. Now, when they take money up front, a lot of times those contracts, the same goes on in publishing, by the way, with, with authors and books versus self-publishing, right? You get money up front, you have to deliver on that promise, and not only that, but you have taxes, you have other expenses, you're liable for a whole bunch of other things, and in the end, what you end up with is probably around like $100,000, $200,000, if that, right? If you're even lucky. Why is that a problem? Because you've not only taken a lump sum up front and had to give away a lot of that money, but you also don't have complete ownership over what you do. Sometimes this happens in the form of like jobs you don't want, right? But we're going to just stick to entrepreneurship because I don't want to go wavering back and forth, all right? So we're going to talk about uh, entrepreneurship or creating or being a, a, you know, an, a real influencer or whatever it might be and creating something of a movement online, right? Because I just want to stay very narrow focused on this. Because the idea is that you are building something that you own no matter what. And I want to say why this is important. Even if you are not monetizing, you having something that is yours, that you are building, that is a platform, a platform to stand on, that's something that belongs to you. What happens is no matter what happens in the physical world, whether you're working for a job or your other gigs or whatever you're doing, um, anything falls short, you still have something that truly belongs to you that you started from scratch. So already the mental, the mental aspect is huge because now you know that no matter what, you've got this thing that you've planted and you're already building and it still exists. Because I can tell you when I started seven, eight years ago on this stuff um, and I was just a general consultant, not more like an intentional one, but a general consultant, you know, when, when deals would go away and I'm like left with nothing, at least I have a platform that I've, I've created that I can leverage for different things. So let's talk about some of these areas, um, you know, and, and then I'll give you some examples but some things I want you to think of, some steps I want you to think of in, um, you know, kind of this idea of building wealth. Okay. So first of all, when you build a platform of, of, sort, of sorts, if you will, um, or different outlets, different channels, you own those channels, not maybe the software. So you have to be careful. You have to have multiple channels, but you own the audience, if you will, through those channels. When you own that audience and you have a relationship with them, you now have what a lot of companies want, which is market research, product development, sales, PR, um, you know, marketing, promotions, everything, right? All built in. You have an audience. And I'm not, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about um, you know, having hundreds of thousands of people. So get that out of your head immediately. I'm talking about if you've got a few hundred people, a thousand people, whatever, you have a market of people. Now, I'm also not talking about people who are, I'm talking about an audience that was very intentional that you are specifically trying to help very specific people out or serve in some way. Um, not just like, you know, only friends that follow you or, um, you know, people uh, watching your workouts or whatever, <laughs> whatever they might be. I don't know. So I'm talking about um, building a very intentional audience, whether a few hundred people on up that you are serving in some way. That to me is a platform. That to me is already building leverage. Why? Because you own that audience. And what starts to happen is you start to learn more about them and how you can then increase your value to them and offering your products and services, right? Now, you can do this even as a fun hobby, something small, getting feedback on something you're building. I don't care if you're building motorcycles or painting the next Monet, you know, the next Mona Lisa, whatever, like whatever it is, 
you have direct, like people seeing your work, that already is leverage. And you, when you own that audience, that's why a lot of these other people, these, these big brands are smart. They're going to all of the people online and be like, hey, promote my product. I'll give you like, uh, you know, $500 a month and uh, all of these supplements for free. And, uh, you know, go ahead and promote. Uh, here's your special code. And they got like, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers that they're telling that to. Um, you're a paid employee. That's not the same kind of leverage because they're using your leverage to gain their leverage. So be careful of that, too. So the idea is how are you serving your people at at best um, and always thinking through what are you providing for them, right? And what are you learning from them? But either way, an audience is your is your social currency, is your leverage. Now, further leverage is how do you handle serving them in mass with products or services, right? And you have to then take a step back and be like, I know a lot of you love creativity and only want to create the content, only want to create the fashion designs, the music, the books, the courses, the whatever, but they have to be fueled by systems that can deliver that value to the people you're intending to serve. And you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to make very iterative steps. And what I mean by that is, and I'll give you an example. And some of you who are on here, uh, Victor, I saw you somewhere on here earlier. Um, I, was, I was answering a question the other day. And I said, hey, should I just do a workshop on this? And I got a bunch of DMs of people who were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like I would love for you to do a workshop on, um, it was just some things with like um, foundational elements with systems and stuff like that. And I just basically told her, I'm like, just give me your email and I'll figure it out. And then I'll send you guys to like a day that we'll do a Zoom call. That's it. Like, you know, but I, I, I saw about 10 to 15 people that needed that help. And I instantly was able to act on it and say, okay, cool. Like I'll do a workshop on that and we'll all just get together and I'll teach you guys. Stop overthinking all of the, the other, like you have to have some large, vast audience or any of that other stuff, right? So that's number one. Um, so number two, when you, as a creative person, if you're operating from mindset, not necessarily of monetization, but out of how do I serve these people? It's okay to be paid for your work. So, um, you know, and as an artist that you have to decide like, hey, this is, I don't like if you're being commissioned, you still want them to trust you for what you do. But what I'm saying is like it, as a, you know, a service provider or even products, understanding what they, what their needs, wants and desires are and then delivering on them and saying, okay, cool, I'm going to do this. Um, and thank you for that feedback. And then here's, by the way, where you can go get that for uh, whatever price. Cool, cool. Okay. And anything you don't know, you ask them. How do you feel about these prices? Or what do you think is fair? Just ask people. Stop making business so um, difficult. Just ask them, right? So thank you, Victor. I was referencing you, but there's about 12 other people who asked for that workshop. Um, so so how is this leverage? All right, so you're now building an audience. You know what the market wants. You've got um, digital channels as a means to communicating with them. And hopefully at this point, you're using something to deliver that value, some medium, some software. We have a lot of software out there now that you can own and do it yourself. Now, the scary part for a lot of people is they don't know what it is. Therefore, they don't want to go do it, right? Um, I can tell you, and, I, and I, there was a, there's a book called The Time Warrior, uh, W-A-R-R-O-I-O-R, -R -R, not warrior, Time Warrior. And in the book, it talks about we make stuff up in our head for the things that we don't know how to do. 
because um, if we don't jump right into the task, we build it up as it being harder than it needs to be. Now, yes, some things are hard, but answers are, vi are, are, um, uh, are steadily available and readily available, I should say, on like a, a moment's notice, right? Because of the internet. So your goal isn't to have all the software and all the mediums and everything figured out right away, but you do want to figure out how to use whatever software that you need to deliver what you want for the people, right? So in the music industry, people like Russ were using something like TuneCore to publish their own music. They bought the software, they managed the uploads, they managed the, 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 their own publishing, and, um, and you know, steadily some recurring revenue would come in month after month as they kept launching, so, as he kept launching a song per week. So for him, it was that type of software as the medium to derive, to, to monitor his downloads and his publishing and his royalties and how he gets paid. So as that compounded over time, he started making 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, 100,000. Now it took after several years and several pivots, just so you're aware, but eventually got into the hundreds of thousand dollars per month. So much that eventually between that and touring, he was making upwards of $20 million a month, or excuse me, not a month, not a month, $20 million a year that the industry started taking notice and were like, who are you and how did you do that? It's because he owned his whole path. It took a little bit longer. Like he was in it for about 10 years, maybe 11, 12 before it really took off. But now, even during a pandemic, he doesn't need tour money. He wasn't wiped out. He wasn't already being abused by the industry because he was owning, he had his own ownership. So other people, it's publishing, right? So um, for your books, well, you don't necessarily have to go to a publisher who will advance you a check. You could be like, you know what? These are the topics I want to write about. I want to go on to Instagram and we'll write about these things. You're on TikTok. Um, I want to garner a little bit of an audience. I want to get from them what they're liking about my writing. Cool. I can turn that writing into a book. I haven't done this yet. A lot of my friends have. I know the process. I just haven't done it yet. But um, the idea is that you can do it all yourself. Amazon has a creative account that you can actually get all of it developed in terms of like the design of the book. And how, um, you know, if you want to even go through Amazon, uh, I, I still, from what I can tell, I still recommend doing it. Um, of course, also like having, you know, um, other ways to make the, the physical copies as well. But you can self-publish. And when you create a very loyal following, you can reach out to your following and say, hey, the book is done. Would you like to purchase it? And if that's 100, 200 people, you can ask them like, hey, could you please, you know, here's the book. If you purchase it like within the next couple of days, that looks really great for me. And can you please leave a rating and review on it? That really helps as well too. Boom, you're an instant Amazon bestseller. 100, 200 people, 300 people. I know they talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of all this other stuff, but if you get just the right number of people, even in a smaller amount out of billions of people on the planet, again, that's leverage. You own the, the book, you own your work, you own the publishing, and you own the, um, uh, the revenue that comes in minus your costs, which you have to figure out your costs as well. So really what you're using is software and distribution platforms to push out your work, right? That's what I mean by leverage. The leverage belongs more so to you in this day and age, and you have to build this leverage. Now, leverage also turns into, at some point, where does recurring revenue come in from? And that's only something you're going to know based on how you're serving your audience in terms of 
where do you know where where is the need being fulfilled on a monthly basis for that individual or set of individuals that they're willing to pay over and over and over again right so but again you own your path you own your distribution you own your marketing you own everything right and these things are so important but a lot of people are afraid i think um because of if it takes a long time and it does what if it doesn't work out but the cost you pay on that is the sacrifice you take today which is i'll take this thing now and that'll forever stay that way unless i alter it and i'll forever be kind of a slave to it unless i make that change later on right so again I'm just more for, and this is more for, I guess, the entrepreneurs, the creatives, the people who want to carve out their own path, or just make like a motivational platform, something that they, they, they a movement, if you will, right? And let it turn into something else. But, um, so there's that playing the long game mentality. It doesn't happen overnight, but it can start to happen fairly quickly for what you want to do. All right. So that's, that's that point. Now find and build specific knowledge. All right. So that's, you know, another chapter that was in, um, in that book that I, I recommended to you guys. Um, I haven't read these chapters yet, but when I saw these names of these chapters, like this is, these are really cool topics. I'd like to expand on that. And then after I read the book, cause I, I ordered the hard copy, I'll be able to talk about it, but find and build specific knowledge. So, um, I'll give you an example of me and what I did at a macro level and how I had to learn to get micro within the macro. I have a heavy digital and tech background, all things from dealing with engineers on the back end, you know, creating all the software, all the stuff that you guys use to front end digital marketing, to copywriting, to branding, to digital marketing, email marketing, you name it, all of the different areas, all the areas over 20 years. I started very young and it was cool, but I wasn't necessarily doubling down in any particular area, nor did I, I guess I, I, I struggled a little bit with that for many years. And, um, you know, because it's so vast, we need a lot of these different areas to fulfill, you know, uh, in a digital world that I saw we were going to be moving into. Now everybody's like, oh, wow, we were living in a digital world. I'm like, well, now, now you've been forced into it. So I myself had to take a look at my approaches and I started thinking about how I was doing things about a couple years ago. And I knew that I couldn't keep that same pace anymore. I had to double down and look at a very specific area that I could add a shit ton of value that was an intricate part of what people need in um, scaling their their brands and their businesses, right? So um, to give you some examples, I first had to solve the problems myself. So you hear this a lot. As I figured out some of the problems, which I was running into was time, um, capacity, um, doing everything myself. Um, and I get it, you know, sometimes it takes time before you can get help doing other things, but doing everything myself, um, I wasn't disciplined in how I was tackling my day. And when I was doing certain tasks, I didn't know, I knew everything I wanted to do, but I didn't know when I was going to do it, but I knew I was busy, but I didn't know I was intentionally busy because I wasn't, I was just busy, busy. So I was all over the place. And even though my background was all in tech and in marketing and, you know, knowing that there's all this wonderful leverage out there that I wasn't using. 
Like how fucked up is that? I wasn't using any of it, but I was promoting it and, uh, and authentically because I was always hired by companies to do it for them and get all the people to do it. So I knew of it and I knew what was needed. I just wasn't applying it to my world. And I'll tell you what was happening as a consultant was this. I would consult. I would do a fucking great job. And I'm owning that because everybody, and I hope some of them are watching, they know I do a good job. But for whatever reason, and this is going back years and years ago, whatever reason, you know, times change and things happen, whatever. And then boom, like I'd be out of there. And when you're like this, all of a sudden you have no clients. There is no leverage in that because if you do this and you're tied to other people's stuff, if you have no ownership in it and it goes away, then what? You're back here again. And I was doing this for about 15 years as a consultant. Okay. Not to mention that as I would help and I do some really cool things, I always brought resources, brought talent, brought ideas, brought strategies, brought execution. That's a lot of fucking value. And when you bring all of that and then all of a sudden you're no longer there, what do you think happens? And all that stuff gets used, right? But it's fine because if I'm the plug and I'm not there, it doesn't have the same vibe. Doesn't matter. What I learned was that I was not, I was, I was a small business owner. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I was a small business owner. Because that's not scalable. What I had to learn was how do I want to rein in very specific knowledge and like double down on that and then work backwards where I say, where do I want to go with it? How do I leverage what I do um, and set it up in a way where it's scalable and I can work my way out of the business, but I can manage it and oversee it, but I can design it the way I hadn't seen done the way before. And I want to do it that way instead, right? And so it becomes intentional building. And so what I did is I, I doubled down on very specific knowledge. For me, I noticed that the hardest part people were struggling with with their brands, even from the big brands like, you know, the big, big boys, all the way to, you know, solopreneurs, and including what I was going through, which was um, the automation, like the sales and marketing. Like, how do you manage, how do you drive traffic into very specific user experiences that then work with the, the customer all the way through to knowing you, purchasing from you, having a relationship with you, come in your community, listen to your podcast, buying your books, um, you know, buying your product, whatever it is, right? All of that stuff. That's where a lot of companies, big and small, were getting, were getting caught up. And I was like, you know what? I know all that stuff. And I dove further into the knowledge, dissecting it all and really getting much better at it and then doubling down on that and so much that I ended up reaching out and then I ended up creating basically an agency out of that. Not basically an actual agency out of that with about 15 people. Wasn't my intention, but that's where it led me to. So, um, and I own my resources. Like I have the relationship with them. Everything is, is owned. And like I'm now vertically integrated from start to finish throughout the process. Meaning that um, whether I consult or not, people have access to these resources, but they're in contract with me. They're, they belong to me, right? It's my own setup. So the point being is that when you double down on your very specific knowledge, you are the sought out person for those things, for that thing or things. And um, it makes you be able to see all the angles a little bit better and plan better, be more intentional. Where do you see yourself doing certain things? You get more honest about it. You say, no, I only want to do these things. People come to you like, cool, what can you do for me? Well, it's only these things. And then you become kind of like the go-to, if you will. 
Now, if you've already been building your platform and you've already been building your reputation, and on top of that, you have very specific things that you're you know, focusing on, um, now you're holding again, yet again, leverage, right? And that's what I wanted to you know, share with you guys. And in doing that, you're now kind of like the master artist. Instead of you trying to do all things for everybody, you're saying like, I do this so well, I want to keep getting better and better and better at it. And um, I'm going to be one of the first people to know within this industry, these things, the moment these things happen. So let's talk about that with clients or, or with customers of your product. Like, hey, did you know that this new technology came out for this? And now uh, we're going to up advance our, our product to have this included. What do you guys think? Oh, that's awesome. Let us know when it drops. Cool. So repeat customers for your same things over and over and over and over again. But when you really dive into this specific knowledge and you really master it, it's not just like you're the go-to, it's that you're also knowing of how to constantly improve for the people you serve on an ongoing basis, nonstop, and people see that authenticity and they'll keep coming back and they'll feel that you're approachable to say, hey, like I'm running into this issue, um, can you help me? Yeah, what do you, what's going on? Like, and if I can't, let me find you something complimentary to it. And now... It's a network. So you have leverage and you have networks of people. And with those people, your job is to be like, hey, go to so-and-so. They're going to take care of you for this, this, and this. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. When they go to that person, you'll be like, hey, did Matt get you for this and this? No? Okay, make sure that when I'm done doing this, that he takes care of this and this because that's going to be very important for this to actually work the way it needs to work. That is called a network, my friends. And that's how true all money in no money out works. If I have multiple people doing their specialties that are complementary to what I do, and we all have platforms, and we are a network of platforms, then we are all helping each other grow. That's what happens with my podcast. That's what happens with uh, social media. That's what happens with tens of thousands of people on my email list. Do you understand? That's also how I grew all of my stuff. So any of you out there trying to grow your Instagram, stop trying to do the shortcuts and just help a lot of other people out. So I went to other people and I'm like, hey, listen, I got a podcast that's starting to gain a little bit of traction. Would you like to come on it? I'd like to help you out, um, you know, and, and uh, celebrate all of what that you're doing. And they'd be like, yeah, of course. By the way, that's different than me saying, hey, can I take you out to coffee and pick your brain for an hour for, fi for, for $10 coffee and, you know, just abuse the fuck out of you for, you know, all the information and thank you, you get nothing in return. So how about instead of a coffee conversation, you actually offer value to somebody else, which is what I did to very big somebody else's and very up and coming somebody else. And I was like, hey, listen, I love what you're doing. Let me give you my platform to accelerate you. Oh man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's talk about you. What's going on in your world? The win is content for me, leverage, and their network of people, their followers, their email list, their phone numbers, their blogs, their company will all see that episode and drive traffic back to me. Leverage. Do you understand? So in acts of service, we're able to drive up our, our own platform, our own initiatives, our own leverage. Right. So sometimes, you know, you get a lot of these Instagrammers and these motivational people and I, and I love them. I appreciate it. But they're always like, yeah, you know, just be of service, just be of service to people. Yes, absolutely. I think the parts that they sometimes leave out is like, listen, the reason being is because it's not to get taken advantage of and used of. It's to find win wins. I want to accelerate 
the process of other people using my platform and we have a mutual benefit again because they will help out what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to drive more traffic and awareness to what they're trying to do. But I am an active service, therefore I'm growing and I there's a win-win all the way around. So I think sometimes people leave that part out and they're like, just be of service. I say, don't be used, You know, be intentional. Um, same with like a product, if you're building a product, right? By having certain people within an audience, you're like, hey, this is what I wanna do. By the way, um, I'll give you a brief example. Let's say you need to go make friends with the manufacturers of your product. A t-shirt, I don't care what it is. Use a t-shirt or an iPhone case or whatever. Like, you make friends with the manufacturer, like, oh, this is so cool. Thank you, by, by, the, way, by the way, guys, for doing all this so much. Um, I'll also, uh, I'll throw you guys other uh, work business as well, too, um, if you need, because you're doing such great work. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. You know what? Um, I love the concept that you're building with uh, the products that we're manufacturing for you. We'll be sure to drive people to you as well. And, um, you know, let us know if you have any, if you have any feedback. Oh, okay, cool. I will. Hey, customer A, what do you think about this product that I made for you? Um, oh, like, oh, I like this. You know, if only the material was just a little bit more like this. Hang on a second. Hey, manufacturer, just out of curiosity, do you have any kind of material like this? Because this is coming up more than once. Yeah, actually we do. And we've heard this before. We'll be happy to take care of you. They'll probably also take care of you at a discount because you already have the relationship and you've already been driving other people to them, right? Then you go back to your customer like, hey, I figured out for round two. Thank you so much for the feedback. Now your customer hears you. Your customer buys another item, sometimes the same item, only an improved item from you. That's why Apple keeps selling you the same iPhone over and over and over again, right? So in doing that, you're now having the relationship with the manufacturers. You're having a relationship with the customers. You are also in the middle in between those two and you're also doing the marketing. Sooner or later, there's different aspects of this supply chain that if you do something long enough, you could probably work your way into doing it yourself if it makes sense. You can either strike up strategic partnerships with manufacturing or you can be the manufacturer. Now you can be the manufacturer and you can license your products to other people while you also make it for yourself. Therefore, now you're expanding on your empire, right? So, but you don't know any of this stuff until you're actually like in the middle doing all of it. And that's where, the, again, like specific knowledge and playing for the long game. See how like those two, you know, correlate and how leverage positions you to do those things. And again, you don't know these until you start building. So um, I want you to think about that when you're working with these customers, the more you're learning from them and the more you're interacting with the people helping you supply them, the more knowledge that you're getting that you could conceivably determine if whether or not you want to do it yourself and go into it and be like, if I were to do it, I'd do it differently and here's how I would do it. And I have the resources now to do it. How do I make that part happen in the business, which would cut down the time frame it would take to get the product done, which would then get more products out to people faster, which would inc increase my customer experience, which would increase, uh, decrease my costs, increase my profitability and efficiency. Do you get what I'm saying? But you couldn't know that unless you're actually out there building the platform, building with the customers, doing all this other stuff. And the best part, best part of all this is you're so busy doing all of this shit that you don't even actually have time to be worrying about what you see on Instagram and social media with all these other people doing all this other stuff who are distracting you. And by the way, because I know firsthand with the exception of a very small few, most of them don't even have the systems that you think that they do behind the scenes that are taking care of the things that, that are portraying the lifestyle of massive, massive sales. Some of them do, a lot of them don't. 
because I've talked to some of them. So don't always think that what you see online, like, man, they must be crushing it. We don't even know that. You don't know how their systems are set up. They may have a big platform, but manufacturing may be taking advantage of them. Um, their cost may be high. They may be selling like a, you know, $60 t-shirt, um, but having to pay $40 per t-shirt, <laughs> you know, after all costs, you, you don't know all the logistics. So that's why I always tell people like, don't get so busy. You don't pay attention to what's going on. And it happens at times, I, maybe like maybe once or twice a month here and there, I get a little curious and I start kind of scrolling a little more than I normally would. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Fuck that. And then I stop. I can't do it. Um, because I already start to feel me swerving out of my lane and being pulled off of the, the tasks that are most important right now into what I need to be focusing on. Right. So, um, so we talked on playing the long game, finding and building specific knowledge and being in a position of leverage and how all three of those play together. And then there was another chapter in that book. And by the way, if anybody's wondering about what the book was, it was, here, let me, let me pull that up. The Almanac of Naval Vavikant, uh, major entrepreneur, tech, like meditator. I mean, this dude is like on another planet, got a huge podcast, right? Um, and I just, I, I ordered his book and I saw these chapters and it was about the idea of building wealth. Um, and it was just so ironic that I saw that at the same time, I was like, I want to do a, an episode here about ownership um, and owning your path. And, you know, I, I asked another really great friend last night and I'll get then to this final point, but I asked a, a great friend last night um, about ownership and she brought up a really good point about um, the emotional side of building something of your own because she's building a platform of her own right now and you know getting really into the nitty-gritty of the details and she said most people don't talk about the emotional side of the ownership because what starts to happen is you're taking responsibility for your approach so it's making you think about the details differently how am i interacting with people what are my needs what's right what's not right like not being taken advantage of um to all the way to I have to show up and make this happen. If I don't, it won't happen. Huh? How disciplined was I before? I'm not really sure. You know, um, I don't want to pressure myself and overwhelm myself and end up depressed. How do I slowly start working in better habits? So there's this idea that um, the emotional side of ownership of owning your path um, and your business or your platform or whatever, all this stuff, the, the mindset side, the mental side, the emotional side, the spiritual side, is basically having you have to think outside, you know, what you would normally not think about when you're stuck in a matrix or you're constantly in like a, you know, um, a pattern or a loop. Now you're actually having to take more responsibility, right? Uh, what's up, Jen? What's up, everybody else that's coming on here and that's commenting, by the way, I appreciate all of you guys. So there's the taking responsibility. There's the taking accountability because now you're able to identify patterns more. Oh shit, what I'm finding in my in my business life, I've also seen kind of a little bit as outcomes correlated in my personal life. Fuck. Okay. Got it. I see how I have to change these things or accountability. Like that didn't go as planned or, Oh, I made that mistake with the money or, Oh, I made that mistake with how I approached the software or with the customer, the emotional side of owning your path of ownership also catapults you into accountability and responsibility like you have never seen. But it's a beautiful thing. It just hurts because you're actually having to deal with things that maybe 
you prolong dealing with unless you start at a much younger age. And I am actually finding some people starting at a much younger age and they're doing an incredible job doing it and I admire them. Um, so um, that also leads into the other side of the emotional side, which is discipline. Discipline, I get it, is not fun. And I'm actually going to correlate to this to a fourth chapter that I saw in, in Naval's um, book. But discipline, when we say it, is not fun. But if you can work it into your life as in a lifestyle whereby the things that um, just you can you can get instant fixes in a way like I know that when I like I still eat bomb foods, but I'm just very healthy now, like very healthy, but it all tastes so good. Um, so I'm not really losing anything. I just switched it up and now I'm eating the things that I need, you know, what I mean, or like activity or looking at my finances. I'm actually having more fun with my finances than I ever have before because I started turning into a game. I turned my creativity. You know, we all just want to make our products. We all want to make our services. We all want to make our content. You can apply that same creativity to other aspects of your business. So I started putting that into other areas like, oh, let me understand like the cash flow, like what's coming in, what's going out. Like, oh, that's cool. You know, I understand it now. Um, you know, oh, like what needs to be paid off exactly? And like, how, how can I do that fast and turn it into a game and started paying those things off real fast? Like, it discipline doesn't have to be like this drill sergeant stuff, but it is a required necessity for anything good in your life, not just a business, your relationships, your uh, showing up for yourself, your family. If you have children, I don't have children yet. You know, these types of things, right? Like, so, um, so there's the emotional side of ownership, which is catapulting you into things that you may not want to do, which I also think concurrently is why a lot of people don't want to do it because now they have to deal with things of themselves that they didn't necessarily want to do before. Right? So, you know, you got to pick and choose your battles, but I can accurately tell you dealing with shit and getting honest very fast will actually save you years. You will age much better and you will get to where you want to go faster, even in the long game. All right. So you have to kind of think about it that way. Honesty is scary for a lot of people, including ourselves, because we are afraid of who we might lose along the way. Or if we say something that would be judged or thought of differently in any other way, then maybe we are meaning it. But at the end of the day, honesty is what keeps us in alignment to where we're trying to go and keeps the right people around us. If the wrong people don't like it, they will walk themselves out. And I understand the attachments of we have, sometimes have good people in our lives and we don't want to lose them, but it's possible you could lose them if you never really had them, if they're judging you on you being honest and not wanting to work with you and be in tandem with you. If they don't, then you never really had them in the first place, right? So, and the fourth chapter that I was going to bring up um, that I really liked that uh, Naval said, well, it was his chapter. I haven't, again, I haven't read the book yet. I just want to keep saying that. Find work that feels like play. Um, now he was tying that into, um, the other chapters. And I think I actually have that chapter pulled up. Um, I opened it up, you know, you can open up the book on Amazon when you order it. Um, I think I've got it right here. Uh, I hope I have it right here. Cause I tried to have that ready. Um, and it was the, well, it was the idea that he first said, take note of like where you're in. And I've done this with people when I work on their brands with them. So on occasion, I do some co like one-on-one -on -one monthly coaching, whatever, for some people I have about three right now. And I started, and it started back up after 
years of not doing it. Oh, two years of not doing it. Um, and, um, and it was interesting. Um, I walked them through a framework, and this, ha this comes up a lot, is we don't actually recognize why we're doing certain things. And so you can actually go back, and there's a time frame. I've said this before on other podcasts. There's a time frame between about 14, 12, 10 years old, and about 21, 22 before um, the guidance counselors in your college say something along the lines of, um, hey, you have to get responsible. You should go do something more responsible. Like, what's a secure job? You know, all that bullshit that you're fed. Well, um, the fact of the matter is, is that you're highly intuitive and close to your creation and your soul's path when between the ages of 10 to about 21, 22, while society's kind of chipping at your, you know, you know, trying to guide you and indoctrinate you into some path really you actually have a very keen knowledge of something internally in you that you actually really like to do you like to talk about people naturally come to you for you naturally communicate about it seems like ease and flow but you've been told work needs to be hard well that ease and flow might actually be something very beneficial to you as a talent or a skill set that you can then leverage into um your you know into building a, a platform or a business around or even into people you go work for that you add that value to that they make you partners of their company or something like that right so um so i want you to think about that so he he talked a little bit and i think in that chapter i again haven't read that but like the idea of um and i know it's it's highly disputed about um fine work that feels like play because of the whole like oh what do you mean you have to love what you do? Like, I don't always love what I do. No, there's definitely mundane aspects of the details. Like Enzo Ferrari, I'm sure there were times like he was frustrated in trying to build the engine in the Ferrari. I'm sure of it. I'm sure he's like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I have to get, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? But, but every day, like the idea of building an engine for his own, you know, supercar, sports car, you know what I'm saying? Like, there is, he's tied to something bigger. So it's feeling more like play. You don't, it's not about, you don't start thinking about clocking in and clocking out. It becomes just a part of your, your, your mode. Right. And, um, but now I want to read more about that though, about the, you know, feels like play, because I have also learned about, we can be inundated if we try to do too many different things, right. Within the thing that we love. So we have to protect and cherish the thing that we love or like the, the business or what we love doing by getting good people around us to help us. So there was a chapter in there, and I, I don't know if I wrote this down, um, but it was something along the lines of um, making sure you have other people around you that are um, also kind of within the same, uh, you know, of like what you love to do or that can understand and contribute in some way, et cetera, right? As, not maybe just always in your field, but in other fields. Um, but the idea is, how do I have a relationship so that way I feel like I'm constantly playing with what I love to do, but I'm responsible enough to know that I can't do it all and that then I have to manage it. And by manage it, I have uh, one or two or three other people. You start to do like the little layers. I started bringing in other people into my life that can do these little things that would then help me accelerate what I'm trying to do while still having a very good relationship with it. Now, you can talk it in business and creativity. You could say it in relationships, right? Don't relationships have like counselors and mentors and coaches and, you know, classes and courses? Don't, um, don't um, hobbies have that? Uh, classes and coaches and mentors, right? I mean, you see this in every area of our life. But so many people are so quick to just quit 
because something's hard. And I'm like, it's not that it's hard. It's that you may not have answers and you're overwhelmed and you lost love of what you like to do. But maybe it's just about doing it different and managing different. Unless you are truly just done with that thing because you have peace with it, you might still have a lot life left in it. It's just about your approach. Like I realized I had a lot of life left in what I was doing. Actually, a lot more than I ever anticipated. But I got frustrated and overwhelmed, overworked and burnt out. Which then led me to think of and take a step back at 39 years old, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, where I was like, this isn't working anymore. I don't think I'm done, but I can't do it the way I'm doing it. Right. So I had to make changes and be intentional about it and then fall back in love with the things that I like to do by having really good people around me. And now it's a new love. And it taught me a lot about how that must also be in personal relationships, in friendships. Like you're always going to have to kind of like take the next level of how do I tweak my approach? Because I still love this person. I love this friend. I love these people. I love the, this home. I love this hobby, whatever. But I'm burnt out. But maybe it's not anybody's fault. It's my approach. I have to take a step back and look at doing it differently. So um, when I saw that fine work that feels like play, it reminded me of and manage it so it will always feel like that. And even when times get really tough with it or get really inundated or burnt out or overwhelmed, how do I make enough changes to keep having a relationship with it? Because it's important to me. If it were no longer important to you or you're at peace with it and you want to let it go, that's okay too. Because nobody says you have to keep... Sometimes I think people are doing things because it's like they're tied more to the outcome. Like, I want the money, I want the money, I want the money, I want the money, or I want the fame, I want the fame, I want the whatever. That's going to be a different kind of burnout. That's a totally different burnout. And you see this happen all the time and people finally surrender and be like, fuck this. Like, it costs me my health. It's not worth it. I'm talking more about the things that you really like to do that are part of the business or the product or the service or whatever, or the hobby or the platform that you can get burnt out on, but you have to have a relationship with it so you can make changes along the way. You have to respect the game. You have to respect the platform. You have to respect the love. You have to respect the, the, the output. You have to respect the craft, the content, the, the processes, the changes in the environment, right? Same with your relationships, same with your friendships, same with your family, same with your hobbies, everything, your finances, you have to constantly change. Change is only hard because in here we have this fucked up idea that it's going to constantly hurt us when it's constantly trying to help us. And it's so reversed because we get so dense in our earthly ways of like fear, which isn't even real. And I won't go continuously on that path, on that, on that <laughs> rabbit hole, but you guys get where I'm going with this. So we have to rein it in and constantly respect the people, the places, the ideas, the platforms, the things, the technology in front of us. We have to constantly respect it, respect the process, respect the love, and keep working on it. And anybody that isn't um, aligned with doing the work with you, they will walk themselves out the door. Anybody that isn't aligned with um, seeing the love and the respect that you are doing or it's not reciprocating it, they will automatically dismiss themselves, right? And if we can lose the attachment of, um, you know, that uh, hoping that it's, you know, like of trying to control anybody else or outcomes, we'll be much happier and healthier because we know that our relationship is to our love and respect of self and love and respect of the things that we are building. 
And so that's pretty much it. I think I think I just went on a tear. And, um, you know, my friend last night who brought up, you know, when I, I asked her, I said, um, you know, the emotional side, what are the things she said, some examples of like leverage. So I want to, I want to end with this and then, you know, I'll give you some, I guess some steps, whatever, how much time am I, I'm doing good on time for the most part. I haven't gotten my little hour notice here yet, but so a couple of people leverage Joe Rogan did his podcast starting, I think in 08, 09. He just, you know, aligned with, uh, Spotify for a hundred million dollars, um, for his, you know, here we are 11 years later, right? He's got an audience, he's got influence and he can actually, he sways very independently in a lot of, um, things people don't, you know, normally like, like he, he's very neutral, uh, but he has very defined, you know, um, creative ideas. Um, Gary V. Gary V preaches this down your guys throats constantly. And I agree with him. He's constantly telling people like you're overthinking, you're overthinking, you're overthinking. And his whole idea, I'll give you the name of the book here in a minute. Um, his whole idea was you like you're, you wanting to be reliable on yourself. So if a job goes away, you're cool. If, um, you know, uh, uh, if this source of income goes away, you maybe have another one, right? Like, um, millennials are really good at this because they, we live, we, I'm, I'm really at the start of that. I really can't preach that. I'm like 79, 80. I think that's when it started, but millennials, um, they had two, three, four five jobs. They learned it automatically because inflated economy, <laughs> but it was a really great article about, yeah, when one job goes away, I still have four that I have revenue coming from. So it's that kind of reliability that you're looking for. So the anxiety goes away that if like you're not playing into a job that you fucking hate, because, but you're there because you're getting paid and you're scared if you lose a job. But you're meanwhile telling everybody else, people like me growing up, which I had a lot of people tell, saying stuff like, oh, are you sure you're so secure? They're all out of jobs, by the way, right now. Unfortunately, I, they don't know I know that. It just... I through mutual contacts and it's, you know, they'll, they'll make their way back. I'm, I feel bad. Um, so, but the idea though, is that Gary Vee kind of preaches like you're trying to rely on yourself and we live in a most leveraged time where, um, uh, because of the technology. So you can create whatever kind of world that you want to be thankful for that. So Gary Vee, Joe Rogan, Kanye West went on a whole tear about that with like his tweets, um, you know, him not owning his music catalog and or, or certain aspects of his music and his publishing. Right. And with so can you imagine like you're crushing it in life with your with your music um, and a bunch bunch of other things? And let's say, do you realize that that's one of his least um, uh, income generating assets? Obviously, everybody goes, yeah, the Yeezys. But no, 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 no. Like his music like should be worth way more for how much he puts out. Right. So, you know, he talks a lot about this. Um you know, other industries we're seeing this in, we're, <clears throat> we're not just seeing this in, um, uh, in music, we're seeing this in art, right? Nowadays, people have independent distributors, or they can put art on their websites, they can put, you know, uh, I know a few friends, I referenced Brian Polydix and art on here, make sure you go follow him, Rena Tolentino, go check her stuff out. Um, there's a lot of artists that you can go check out their work, they, they commission themselves, practically, people commission them, they put their stuff up on their website. Um, the art world is being disrupted. Alec Monopoly is a great example of that as a graffiti artist turned like major mega artist, right? I mean, makes sense, you know, and he's got management there too. Obviously he's able to, oh, it says I got two minutes remaining, so I got to wrap this up, but, um, he's able to, um, you know, commission very, very, very high worth items on his own because he has an audience and a network and he showed the whole process. So, 
you guys, the, the list goes on and on, and we can continue on this, but I am going to lose you here in about two minutes. So I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for being on here. I really appreciate you guys. The book, you had asked about the book, is called, um, hang on, hang on. Uh, I want to just make sure I get you the right title. The Almanac, A-L-M-A-N-A-C-K, The Almanac of Naval, N-A-V-A-L, Ravikant, R-A-V-I-K-A-N-T. Um, that book, I just ordered the hard copy. It's going to take about a week, I guess, because they're on back order. They just, it just launched. Um, but like the dude is a legend um, in entrepreneurship, in balance, meditation, like spirituality. I mean, like, absolutely, Brian, I got you. Uh, watching your work is amazing, bro, seeing where it's going. So, um, so yeah, so check out that book. Um, we can have another conversation about this. I appreciate you guys. Also, if you haven't downloaded the podcast yet, please do me a favor. Can you go to the Hustle Sold separately on uh, iTunes, on Spotify? I need you guys to leave me some ratings and reviews on, on uh, Apple iTunes. Apple is making a big deal about it. That's how they actually share my podcast with the rest of the world because of what you guys think. So I would really, really appreciate it if you guys can go leave a rating and review. It means a lot. It means more than you think. Um, it's also how I got here, but I also still need more of you to go there. So hopefully you guys found this very, very helpful. Um, waiting for the book. Awesome. Uh, read the blogs, of course. Cool. Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate you guys all. It's going to cut you guys off here in a minute. Um, and if you guys have any other uh, questions, DM me. I'm going to keep doing more of these episodes. I really, really appreciate you guys uh, for just being on the show in general. And uh, Victor and others, I'll let you guys know of um, you know the upcoming workshops. Now, for everybody else listening that was not on the live, I want you guys to know I truly appreciate doing this. You guys are an amazing audience. Um, the downloads are far vast uh, or far reaching and uh, not far reaching. What am I saying? Um, uh, increasing. And I'm so grateful for all of you guys. Thank you for being a part of this and for continuously supporting my efforts in all of this. And, um, you know, again, I really appreciate any ratings and reviews that you guys leave. But most importantly, um, just being a part of this community. Uh, I couldn't do this without you guys. And it means a lot. Um, so for this episode and for myself and for Hustle Sold separately, we are out.